0: Continuing with our machine learning series, today I sit down with Sharam, the head of data science and AI at Novartis. It was great to discuss how he's supporting Novartis's transformation, training their current employee base, and leading his organization through a cultural evolution. Uh, Sharam, welcome to the uh, podcast. Thank you for being here.
1: Thanks, Jake. Thanks for having me. Great to be here.
0: So, can we start um, a little bit? Uh, if you could tell us a little bit about Novartis and your role as head of data science and AI, supporting the firm's broader biz- business mission.
1: Sure, uh, happy to. So, Novartis, as as you uh, well uh, very well know, is a major pharmaceutical company. Uh, we are a about hundred thousand plus associates in Novartis. We're operating in in hundreds of countries out there, serving hundreds of millions of patients with our. Life-Changing Medicine. Um, It's a very old company uh, based in Basel, Switzerland, with with outposts and and, uh, offices in in many countries. Uh, I myself, um, I run the, I'm responsible for data science, artificial intelligence, machine learning across Novartis, and have joined uh, the company about eighteen months ago. Uh, my background is in data science and machine learning as it applies to healthcare and life sciences, and have been in this field for many, many years.
0: Great. Can you tell us a little bit about how uh, data science and ML within life science organization is different than other industries?
1: It's uh, so as you we take a step back. It's actually interesting if you look at every industry. It's it is a transforming to a very much a computational field, and that is for a good reason. That everything is now a a translating into the data that we are capturing, and people need to make sense of those data and, and extract insights from them in order to make better business decisions and run their businesses. This is no different, and you're talking about automotive industry, or healthcare and life sciences, or trans- uh, other types of other types of industries. In healthcare and life sciences, it's a, in my opinion, it, it makes a has a different meaning or different implications. First of all, it's a very data rich environment, and this is due to the advancements in science and technology, new acquisition devices, looking at uh, images of different kinds or even omics, uh, genomics, metabolomics, proteomics, and so on and so forth, we now have many ways, actually, uh, looking at a human uh, health indicators of, of, of human beings from different angles and recording them. So basically, healthcare and life sciences if you're talking about molecules or people or how healthcare is being delivered and used in the society is very much has become a numbers field. It's a very much a computational field. And therefore, when you have everything done, uh, translated into numbers, therefore machine learning and AI basically comes into the picture because someone has to make sense of all of that data. And as you probably know, by some estimates, by year 2025, which is actually very near, there would be 125 zettabytes of data. So just to give you a sense of the magnitude, if a if a the example I would like to use is if a grain of rice is a byte, hundred and a one zettabyte will fill up the Pacific Ocean, the entire volume of Pacific Ocean. So imagine 125 Pacific Oceans worth of data, and you need to figure figure that out and make sense of it, and not just storing it, but also der- deriving insights from it and applying it to, to your business problems.
0: Right. And um, so a lot of organizations uh, collect a lot of data. Um, is, there, is there something specific about life science organization uh, you know, that's um, aside from the amount of data? Uh, where this data, you know, um, managing that, this data and, uh, you know, analyzing this data is a unique problem compared to other industries. I mean, to me, it sounds like perhaps there's a bit more at stake because, you know, human life is is so critical. Absol- Anything else?
1: Absolutely. And, and, and you're absolutely correct. So here... The end goal is saving lives, is coming up with, with life-saving medications, medicine that we can actually help someone uh, with their ailment and help their families. The process of drug discovery is, a, is a, uh, a lot of exploration that needs to be done there. And therefore, people actually generate lots and lots of data in order to help them with those drug hunting activities that they need to do. If you look at that beginning of that pipeline and the discovery, there is a lot of data that is being generated to help the scientists who are really top-notch scientists in their own field, being chemistry or, or biology or so on, to figure out how they can come up with a molecule that can actually help someone with a particular, in a particular disease area. So that process is very, very data-rich and is not something new. It has always been data-rich. Now, thanks to advancements in technology and and science, there are other ways of extracting that data and generating that data. And you can't imagine how many terabytes of data are being generated on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Now, that always has been there. Now, the thing that is actually happening, has happened in these recent years is is very interesting. And that is the... the core reason that why people are, everyone is now talking about machine learning and AI. If, if we can take a step back, just to answer your question more comprehensively, the era of AI depends on three things and why everyone all of a sudden is talking about AI. One is, is availability of data. So we talked about the 125 zettabytes mm-hmm. of data. This is across the board, A a, a data has become more available. There's more data generation that is happening, and and AI and machine learning is data hungry. So that element of it across different industries exists, and especially in healthcare and life sciences, right now the example that I gave is crucial. The second thing, however, these things you couldn't do before was because at-scale compute infrastructure wasn't available. Mm-hmm. Now, everyone, thanks to cloud computing, everyone has access to almost infinite compute power at their hand, no matter where in the world they're sitting, to basically apply whatever computation that they need to apply to that data set. And the third element of this era is the sophistication and maturity of the algorithms from machine learning. Now you can see this in speech, in natural language processing, in image and video and other things. So it's the confluence of all those three things that now are coming together. Now, translate that to life sciences environment, the data piece has always been there and is now, of course, is, 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 is uh, more and better off it because of the advancements in science and, and, and technology. But now add to it the compute, add to it the uh, mature algorithms that are now becoming very dependable and reliable. And now that is the... the Core reason why these things are picking up in pharma and life sciences,
0: right? Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. It's a, a kind of like a, a perfect storm that is forming, you know, in a good way, where you have this data, but you also have the ability to uh, analyze this data through cloud uh, with the you know scalable infrastructure and, and resources to do that. Can you tell us a little bit about how you're accomplishing that uh, specifically at Novartis? It sounds like this is a Uh, you know, something you guys are focusing a lot on. Can you give us some examples of how you guys are being successful? Sure. Uh, So
1: this, you're absolutely correct. This is a major focus in Novartis. You probably have heard our CEO, uh, Dr. Vas Simhan, talking about this very publicly, to transform the company, the Novartis, into an advanced therapy platform and data science company. So what it takes to make a company a data science company, right? This is easier said than done i guess it's it's um thankfully a a life sciences company like novartis has always had a analytics oriented people in it because the nature of a coming up with a new medicine you have to have statisticians you have to have biostatisticians who can actually a do the analysis to prove the effectiveness of a of a particular medicine right so Mm -hmm. by nature a Life sciences companies always had analytics-oriented people in them to do that. Now, it's actually building on that foundation how you actually can do more of it and bring new technologies and tool set and skill set and embed them and infuse them across the company, right? So if you look at a, the pipeline, as I described very briefly earlier, so from discovery to development to manufacturing to commercial operations to, to other types of things... In every point, what I would like to call AI-able opportunities, there are many use cases that AI can actually help with. And we are now uh, applying data science, AI, and machine learning to many, many different use cases across across this value chain within the company. A, uh, I, I don't have the exact number of how many projects in, in which part, but these are a Hundreds of projects right now that are leveraging data science in one form or another to basically help with the effectiveness of how people are doing their their uh, jobs at different parts of this value chain.
0: Right, AIable. I like that. That's a that's a new one for me.
1: I don't know if it's a proper word, but I, I'm using AI. Well, it is now.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so you're you're a senior leader within the organization. Um, you know how does this fit? In the overall digital transformation strategy, and um, you know, as a leader, how how do you um, approach uh, digital transformation and um, fit these AIable components into it?
1: Yeah, so a um, Novartis, I think, was one of the first a pharma companies that had a a chief digital officer, uh, Bertrand Botson, and as part of that digital strategy, uh, in, uh, in addition to many other things that are happening, data science and AI is a major component of that. So that digital strategy is how you, first of all, digitize the different places, how you extract the data, how you normalize, make accessible different data sources that exist, uh, second thing is now how you apply data science and AI and machine learning uh, into uh, to that data in order to extract insights. And, that, and then how you embed, how you do change management, such that those insights are now being used in the front line, in the workflow, so you can effectively make the change. However, the change that is happening is, is not only technology, uh, oriented. as a lot of it is the human aspect of the change management as well. How you upgrade an organization as big as Novartis with respect to skill sets, the mindset of people, a because a the data science oriented type of thinking is is, is uh has to be embedded into the fabric of the organization. Right? A lot of people, and, and this is across the industries, and, and what we also observe in in pharma industry is you have an analytics problem, you have a data set, you go to some analytics people, you give those data sets to them, they do their magic, and then they come back with a PowerPoint or Excel sheet and this, this is your uh, results and this is your answer. That is not data science. That is business <laughs> analytics. Data science is being data curious, having the data scientist sitting at that leadership team in order to a form hypotheses and inform the decisions, not, have, not as an after-the-fact type of, a, of an approach. It has to be very much embedded into how work is, is, is getting done right. in the organization. That, that, that's what I mean by changing the mindset
0: in the organization. Right, right. Yeah, so how do you, how do you get there from you know, the traditional uh, analytics approach? I mean, a lot of companies um, are kind of stuck there and would like to get where you are. Yeah. What does that process look like?
1: Yeah, so it's a, it's a uh, multi-pronged approach, if you will. Uh, so one of the things that we have done at Novartis, uh, learning is, a, is an important part of Novartis culture. Uh, and I would like to actually talk about this, uh, this cultural transformation uh, later on. But as part of that learning, we have established a data science academy for Novartis. So through that Data Science Academy, now many online and in-person courses for different types of people. If you're a data scientist, how you can upskill and upgrade your know-how of data science. If you're a non-data scientist person, what do you need to know in order to be a better user of data science in the business that you're driving for the company? So part of it is that is is that awareness is that education that needs to be provided to everyone and other part of it is the senior management a basically desire to move in that direction and basically pointing to the to the true north here and 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 starting major programs across the company transformational programs which we call the lighthouses in Novartis world mm-hmm. To really uh, implement, effect and show that change, it's like a snowball effect that that uh, that needs to be created.
0: Right. So, okay. So you you have this program where you're upskilling your existing staff, um, you know, so that they're prepared for mm-hmm. for for embracing this this change and and doing true data science. What about um, recruiting? Uh, This is a very, very uh, in-demand skill set right now. Have you had any challenges attracting top talent? And how have you overcome those?
1: Yes. Uh, uh, To be very truthful, actually no challenges. There are so many people who would like to actually join this mission. And I think uh, it's a very good reason for that. It comes down to the big P purpose here. The purpose here is changing lives, saving lives of people. So if you're right. a data scientist, uh, you need two things. I mean, uh, 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 among many things, uh, I think two things are very, very important. You want to have challenging problems uh, to, to apply your craft, apply your data science skill sets, which in those problems, you should have the data because without the data, there is no data science to begin with. But more importantly, uh, that you can do in many industries. And there, there is data science, a, uh, impl- basically uh, adoption of data science across industries, as, as you very well know. But I think mm-hmm. what is different in healthcare and life sciences is the purpose. When you're applying your data science skill set to problems and use cases that are really going to change someone's lives out there in the, in the world that that i have seen a lot of people who gravitate and who come to the organization and these are top-notch actually people uh, as a matter of fact i hired uh, just this past monday i announced a very very famous person at the intersection of ai and life sciences they come because it's a very the purpose is is a very uh interesting very uh meaningful purpose
0: to them right that that's really interesting so you don't have that problem because the, the, the mission is so compelling for these people. And I agree with you at the higher levels of skill sets, the more senior people they're generally looking for a greater purpose, some way to take their skill sets and, and do something bigger than themselves. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So, um, let let me ask you a question then. So a lot of our listeners are going to be in other industries and maybe that, that purpose, you know, is going to be, uh, it's 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 definitely compelling but maybe not quite life or death or as as critical to uh society as um you know healthcare and 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 you know saving lives and that sort of thing what advice would you have for those leaders to attract uh, um these folks who maybe don't have that that advantage going into it
1: yeah so I, I think you don't need to be in healthcare and life sciences to attract the right set of talent. A, there is a need. Each of these businesses are running because, because there are customers out there. There's someone who needs the services and products from these businesses. I think being very clear, distilling and being very clear about what that mission is, how is it changing people's lives? Not just necessarily numbers in, in some spreadsheet on, on, on revenue and so on and so forth. That will always come if you do your business properly. But, but what is that higher purpose for that line of industry that you're operating in? I think that is a, a, a very good attractor, at, at least what I have seen and I've been in, in other industries before as well. I have seen that as as being a, a fantastic attractor for people, uh, and, and they really right. need to connect at the personal level with that mission.
0: Right, and and I imagine there's a the, a large cultural component to this as well, right? You to to attract the top talent, you're going to have to have a culture that is attractive to those those folks. You guys have had a at Novartis, you've had a very successful kind of unique, uh, you know, uh, cultural change and some programs around that. Um can you share Sure. Uh share a little bit about that and kind of what impact it's had for you?
1: Yeah, so this is still work in progress, but uh, one of the um key cultural uh, transformations that our CEO embarked on uh, as soon as he became the CEO a couple of years ago is this moving toward the inspired, curious, unbossed and self-authoring culture. And it's very interesting. So the the the, the four pillars of it is how how can you move away from a top down organization command and control to have autonomous groups autonomous people, so to speak, who are curious is a is a is a continuous learning a journey for them as a person to become a better person to to upgrade their knowledge and and it's interesting when you the thought process and the philosophy, there is you becoming a better person. There will be becoming, uh, the, the teams will become better. The organization as a whole become better. We can better serve our customers and the patients out there who who need our medicine. And therefore, as a corollary to that, the business also becomes better, right? right. So, so it's, it's how to inspire. Where is that mission? What's the purpose? How to inspire people? Curiosity and that curious mindset how to be unbussed? So, so how to have these autonomous, basically, people who are responsible but are driving the business and then becoming self-authoring, a, so determining how they conduct their lives rather than social-minded type of uh, folks. And that actually is very important in an agile world. A, so all the tech companies, uh, like AWS, is a very agile development a mindset, Right, uh, mm-hmm. and that's why you actually can pump out many innovations and features every day, right? And s- to serve the customers. So, going away from a waterfall mechanism to this agile methodology, it really requires that a cultural change of becoming inspired, curious, and on embossed. Uh, and, um, and that's a, I think, a very important ingredient of this transformation.
0: Yeah, I could see how that would be very impactful, um, uh, and especially. You know, keeping the kind of customer uh, need in mind when when doing that is also extremely key to, to success with that uh, kind of iteration. So, um, how have your employees responded to this evolution? It sounds like uh, a very positive approach, but also kind of unique and and different than probably what what they're used to up until now. Uh, they responded favorably to this?
1: Uh, yes, absolutely. There is a lot of enthusiasm. There is a lot of pickup. And, and you can see gradually the qualitative changes that are happening in the organization, how people are working together, how things get done. A, the interesting thing about this journey, there is, it's a never-ending journey. It's, it's this mm. being inspired, being curious, being embossed at the personal level and at the organizational level is a continuous exploration and upgrading of the self, so to speak. So it, it's not like we say, okay, in two years we're going to be done with this cultural transformation, but but we are on the path <laughs> and I think it's, it's paying dividends already.
0: Great. And, um, you know, as a leader... Um, you know, you not only have to worry about your own team and, and uh, your directs, but your peers and the broader organization. Mm-hmm. Um, how 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 do you uh, affect that change uh, with those folks within the organization? Like I said, your peers and, and everyone else that you don't necessarily have direct mm-hmm. uh, control over. How do you influence them and, and and guide them through a change like this?
1: Yes, uh, uh, that's the. Uh Super important part of, of, the, of this mission and of the role uh, that I'm trying to play, and other people as well, in this digital transformation in, in the company. A, as I said, this moving away from the command and control is to this a really organizational transformation. It requires touching many different units, many different parts of the organization, and bring them along in that mission and in that journey. Mm. Especially when it comes to data science and AI and machine learning, a first is a lot of people are not even aware of what machine learning and data science can do for their businesses. So one is really listening to them, partnering with them to understand their challenges and translate so you there as an advisor or as a friend to them how machine learning, how data science can help the particular business needs that these people these colleagues have and when you together figure that out and and not and and never approaching the problem as a machine learning as a big hammer as in search for a nail right, right. it's really co-creation for an understanding of the use case and the value of machine learning and there are certain times that you don't even need machine learning so don't <laughs> don't force it on people right But when you find that AI-able or machine-learnable opportunity for that business unit, what what we have actually implemented, I call it three in a box. A person from that business unit, a person from the data science and AI team, and a person from IT. The three of them co-leading, so to speak, that that transformational project. And there are actually many of these, as we speak, that are going on uh, at at Novartis. (laughs) And that is... Part, and it's working well. It's a we had to do adjustments, but uh, in large, large uh, uh, way, is, is actually wor- working very well. This way, you have scalability because you come up with a data science oriented tool and capability. The business has ownership of it. They will pick it up. They have informed that they 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 are the true owner of this thing because at the end of the day, it will serve their business. IT has to be there because. At some point, you need to capture it in the platforms, otherwise you can't scale it up. Mm. And a lot of programs die in infancy because you don't have that scaling up process thought out from early on, and everything becomes a proof of concept, and, and then they go on the shelf. So how right. to avoid that is really how to combine these people into one team so they can actually work together and deliver, deliver and scale up these type of projects.
0: Yeah, no, that's 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 um, definitely uh, a theme in in these conversations that I've been having with with enterprise leaders is um, to be successful and to to kind of build coalitions and, and get people, um, you know, kind of all working towards the same goal. Focus on the outcome. Focus on not the technology that you're going to use, but the the problem that you're going to solve, how customers will benefit, but also how stakeholders will benefit as well, right? Because few people care about your initiative and and how it's going to benefit you and come along with this and help me. They want to know how is this going to affect me and how is this going to benefit me and the customers that I'm trying to help, right? Yeah, exactly. So it seems like combining those two things is, is key to success with with this kind of transformation.
1: Absolutely. So So the lines of communications has to be open left and right and up and down in the organization mm-hmm. because it's a – constant education of what data science machine learning can do and stacking these programs in such way that you have early successes and you can create that snowball effect, so to speak, and showcasing what has been achieved through applying machine learning and not you as a data science or the technology people talking about it, that business person talking about that a, a transformational effect of these data science in, into their own programs. That is where mm-hmm. things really start coming to life and other people getting that aha moment that maybe there is something for me in it as well. If I apply data science and machine learning, I, I can also upgrade the business that I'm running for the company.
0: Right, right. So, so we have a lot of folks listening that um, maybe have the very beginning part of their journey uh, with their digital transformation and with machine learning in general. Um, So a very common question we get um, from from these leaders is, where do I start? How do I begin? What is step one? So if you're putting yourself in, 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 and perhaps you could even answer this as, if you were to do it over again, where would you start? What what would be step one for you?
1: Yeah, so um, I think the very, very first step is that organizational intent to go into that direction. It would be very hard to pull such a thing off. If you, as a just as an enthusiast, wants want to push these things across an organization, it has to be really at the CEO level, at the board level, at the senior executive level that this is the direction we want to go. When you have that backing, when you have that uh, intention at the organizational level, I think the answer to your question is is very difficult because it's very contextual. It depends on which mm-hmm. company you are in, which industry you are operating in. What your starting point is, what foundation you're building on. In Novartis, I, and I think in pharma companies, life sciences companies in general, we are lucky because of that scientific orientation of, of people and of the organization as a whole. It's a very scientific, mm-hmm. heavy type of a thought process because of the nature of, of the industry. And as I said, there was a great foundation because we had lots of analytics, uh, business analytics people, lots of uh, biostats and statisticians who have been operating, a lot of bioinformatics people, which is the marriage between a biomedical, a basically, field and the computational sciences. So that foundation was strong. Now, mm-hmm. one of the uh, interesting things, and and that actually... Um, uh, you probably know i have a couple of a uh, uh, deep partnerships so with aws for example is ml ai wasn't invented in a pharma company these come from technology companies like aws amazon and the likes mm-hmm. how to embed that into into the culture of a pharma company like novartis so that is why i put together a strategic alliance with aws to how to embed this, it's not about outsourcing of problems to AWS, it's actually the reverse of it. How mm-hmm. you can actually bring the two-pizza-box team thinking, how you can develop the, in an agile methodology, the so-called Amazon way, and infuse that into the organization. And that is what actually is happening right now. So the right partnership, the right foundation, the right partnership, and very importantly, the right skill sets and expertise. So hiring and retention and education programs to upskill and upgrade the people. Mm. So so in data science AI world of Novartis, our mission has three pillars to it. One I call connect. The other one is elevate. And the third one is impact. Connect means how you connect the hubs of expertise across the corporation and really make a, a unified, coherent team that can really push the envelope across the board, no matter what part of value chain you're, you're, you set it. Elevate means how you elevate the practice of data science within the company. So education, other things. So as I said, we put a data science academy together. We have started the AI for life residency program that we bring people with masters in machine learning, embed them for 12 months in different uh, parts of the organization And this way, we benefit from their knowledge. They benefit uh, from the knowledge of life sciences and actually understand application of machine machine learning. So this way, everything uh, starts to elevate. Mm -hmm. Running hackathons, we just actually finished running a Novartis-wide hackathon on probability of success of clinical trials, how to engage this community. The other part of Elevate is how you elevate the skill set, tool set capabilities of the organization. That's where a partnership and alliance with the likes of AWS comes into the picture how you can actually leverage those know-how and and best of the best in machine learning and AI and technology in order to upgrade the organization internally and impact is those lighthouse projects those transformational projects that you can take on and in the three in a box with the business unit with IT and data science people really go and deliver on those programs
0: mm. Yeah, what I really like about this approach is it sounds like you're cutting out a lot of the, um, the heavy lifting and the, the time to market by taking advantage of existing solutions, existing technology, but simultaneously upskilling your own staff by embedding these folks there so that you're, you're, you're getting better over time rather than having a linear improvement. It sounds like it's going to be a nonlinear improvement over time, Easy. which uh, sounds like a really good recipe for success. At
1: least as a recipe that is working for us. I don't know for yeah. other people. <laughs>
0: um, so in healthcare in general, um, I imagine there's we're still at the very beginning days of, of using machine learning to 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 help the industry. What do you see as the biggest opportunities uh, on the horizon today?
1: Yeah. So when we when we talk about machine learning and AI in life sciences, people quickly gravitate to very, very hard problems. The opportunity space is vast in in, in life sciences. I'm of the opinion uh, that one needs to have bite-sized chunks of machine learning that are infused in different parts of the workflow. A small improvement in how you operate, the effectiveness of the workflow, and so on, it will pay, pay big, big dividends across the organization. So that, that composition of the portfolio across the value chain and how you can really bring down machine learning to bite-sized chunks and apply them like a small engine yet that you're infusing in different parts, parts of the organization. So my hope is one or two years pass, you have so many of these small engines plugged in different parts that the entire organization becomes smart all of a sudden. Right. Mm. This is if you look at uh, technology companies, all of them, the approach is exactly that. Right. Right. Yeah. So so that is the approach. And I think it, it's uh, very important that people don't lose a don't lose track of that part of the story of machine learning in large organizations, and not just gravitate to these very, very hard problems that machine learning potentially can
0: solve. Yeah. I feel like what you're saying applies to digital transformation in general. Or, or any kind of um, large change, yeah. you, you, you don't want to attack a problem that's so big that it's going to take a long time before you see results, because you're not getting momentum on your side. On the other hand, if you're placing a lot of small bets and things that can actually get you kind of that mm-hmm. iterative improvement, um, people see the, the progress much more quickly. And you're kind of spreading out the risk and the ROI uh, potential so that you're going to have more successes, exactly. right? Rather than putting everything into one initiative exactly. as you develop right.
1: them. So you're building the building blocks, the Lego pieces uh, for mm-hmm. the organization, so to speak.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's a very Amazonian approach that you're taking. <laughs> we are learning um, something from AWS. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this, is, this has been a fantastic conversation. Any other advice that you would give to uh, leaders that are... Um, you know whether, regardless of their industry, that are getting into machine learning. Um, I know it's kind of dependent on the problems they're solving, but any kind of last words that you would give to these folks that uh, could help them be successful.
1: Sure. I, if I if I summarize, I think uh, that a uh, organizational intent is is huge. is is very very important. Uh, otherwise, that transformation is really hard to pull off. Having the right skill set and right set of people is, is key. Uh, you mm-hmm. really need to have machine learning experts who have done this multiple times and they can. I would like to, a. Uh, I like the people whom I call Greek pie-shaped type of people, <laughs> the three-legged type of people. One is they understand machine learning, data science, and AI, right? The second thing is they understand the domain, Whatever mm-hmm. the domain may be. And the third one, they can actually interface with the business uh, unit people. So that's a, a, a sk- social skill set that they bring to, to the table because one has to be able to translate machine learning and data science to real business problems. Otherwise, it becomes an organization on the side behind the wall that, that mm. it doesn't have the intended impact for the bigger organization. So the construction, that that is at an individual level and at the the team composition level, how you put, maybe it's very hard to find a person with all those three characteristics, but if you don't have that type of person, how you compose a team, so as a whole, it has a a semblance to that kind of a a, skill set and composition of skill set. So that is super important. How to... Really embed data science and machine learning expertise across the organization. And that is an organizational statement, how you design that organization. And uh, depending again on your, on your industry, what type of partnership, what type of tool sets and capability and how you go about employing, uh, using those partnerships. And very, very important is no data science machine learning can be done without any data. (laughs) <laughs> so, how you get your data really sorted out, normalize, harmonize the so called verification of data, make it findable, accessible, and so on and so forth, such that you can actually then apply data
0: science to it fantastic advice uh, Thank you so much sharon for for joining me on this podcast. Um, Uh, I think this will be very helpful to our listeners, and um, I'm going to follow Novartis um, and and look forward to seeing what you come up with moving forward, and especially your cultural programs, which are really kind of unique and uh, interesting. So maybe uh, we can have you back again, and we can see how that's going, and uh, really appreciate Uh, your time.
1: I would love to, Jake. Thank you so much for having me. This was great fun talking to you.
0: Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and remember to submit your questions directly on the Enterprise Strategy blog or directly to us on LinkedIn, and we'll do our best to answer them in future episodes. See you next time.